Welcome in to Let Me Put a List Together. I'm Brian Mitchell, along with my co-host, Mark Grody. We are going to be listing again for your enjoyment. And today's topic is top rock and roll lead singers. And how many is this, Mark? How many do we have? Fifteen, baby. Fifteen. Do you want to hear the list? Yes, I do. Robert Plant, Bono, Jim Morrison, Eddie Vedder, John Bon Jovi. There is a combo platter for ACDC. We'll put Scott and Brian Johnson together. Freddie Mercury, Axl Rose, Dave Grohl, Mick Jagger, Kurt Cobain, Chris Cornell, Steve Perry, Roger Daltrey. And then we'll do another combo platter for the Beatles, and that'd be John Lennon and Paul McCartney. You know what? I really am in the giving mood today, Mark, so I am going to let you start this list. Why don't you give me your number 15? I'm going to go Dave Grohl, All right. lead singer of the Foo Fighters. And Dave Grohl is the king of modern rock. He's mm-hmm. the, They still, the Foo Fighters and Dave Grohl, essentially, they they carry the torch right now. They are the quintessential modern rock, most popular, still highly relevant, still in heavy rotation, still people want their music. It's, it's Dave Grohl. And I'll say a couple things about Mr. Grohl. It is a truly amazing accomplishment that that he has had going from Nirvana and all that went with that and, you know, essentially Kurt Cobain's band and being the guy in the background, Mm -hmm. the drummer, Mm -hmm. to all of a sudden breaking out of that, the sad story and the explosiveness of Nirvana to starting his own band leaving the drum kit, going to the front of the band, and then just churning out hit after hit after hit. It's pretty incredible. And, and you, know, I, you know, Dave Grohl, I don't think he is the, the purest, most distinct voice. I don't mm-hmm. know that, his, that I would put him in the category of, like, great singer, mm-hmm. but he's a great rock star, and it's a great band. So I'm going to go Dave Grohl at number 15. That's good. That's a great start. And, yeah, he does. He has that real husky voice. Just to piggyback off what you said, yeah, to come from a rock and roll hall of Fame band and then create your own rock and roll Hall of Fame band. It's amazing. That it's amazing. It's an amazing accomplishment. And not only that, let's really give kudos to Dave Grohl because he's just an outstanding human being. I mean, that he's too. super cool. No rock star ego. None of that. I mean, he he's a fan of music. He's a fan of other bands. Amen. And, uh, you know, he's always uh, he's very giving. And I always like to see cool stuff that Dave Grohl does on stage where he'll bring up a little girl and she'll play drums for the Foo Fighters on a song <laughs> or a guy that a kid that plays guitar that's really talented and he'll come up and fill in on a song. Uh, that's just really cool uh, of Dave Grohl. And I, you know what? This is basically Dave Grohl is karma. You give out love, you get love. And that is what is happening with Dave Grohl right now. So excellent start to our list. So number 15 is Dave Grohl. That was Mark's. And number 14, I'm going to pick John John Bon Jovi. You ever notice that uh, most of Bon Jovi's videos are them rocking in arenas? Because <laughs> yeah. I, I think that is where John Bon Jovi's power is. The magnetism, the power of the guitar. All of his songs are great arena rock songs that are sung by a great frontman and need instant feedback. So when you sing like Living on a Prayer, that is an arena rock song. That is songs that are meant to be sung with other people standing next to you. Bad Medicine. 
Again, It's My Life. All those songs are very powerful rock songs. And there's nobody better than to stand on a stage and rock an arena, especially in the late 80s. If you were alive in the late 80s and got a ticket to a Bon Jovi concert, there was nothing like it. He was the maestro. And they toured like crazy. They're just your quintessential working class band from Jersey. So John Bon Jovi, I would say, is an excellent lead singer. And I'm going to put him at 14. That's, that's a great spot for him. And I'll, I'll, I'll piggyback on what you're talking about the 80s, man. He, he, the 80s was rough in terms of a lot of the hair bands and, you know, the poisons and the rats and the motley crews. And he stood amongst those guys, but didn't quite go there. They, they, uh, they survived that era with all the bad around them. And they kind of got lumped in with them to some degree. I mean, I always thought like Bon Jovi and Def Leppard were kind of one and the same in terms mm-hmm. of at least the fan base. I mean, yeah. obviously different styles and things like that, but, but John Bon Jovi managed to stand out with a little more, or I should say a lot more credibility. Mm-hmm. And there's a place for those bands. Like, look, I, I, you know, everybody knows I'm a nineties rock guy, but mm-hmm. like there's a, people love the poison and the glam rock and all of that. But in the midst of that, Bon Jovi carved out its own niche or John Bon Jovi. And, and, um, He's one of those guys. Ready for this? On John Bon Jovi, just himself. Women want to be with him. Uh Dudes want to be like him. So he he managed to accomplish that, like the quintessential sex symbol, rock star. And they can still, or John Bon Jovi can still fill a a stadium to this Uh day. All right, so he's 14. I get number 13 and for that one. I'm going to go with the lead singer of the who, Roger freaking Daltrey. And I think Roger Daltrey, he set a template for a lot of what was to come. Obviously, the who was 70s and, and, and the 80s, but there's no doubt that bands like Pearl Jam and Soundgarden had some Roger Daltrey in them Mm -hmm. and the quintessential scream of won't get fooled again Mm -hmm. just to kind of step out of the the piece of music that's in front of them and just go crazy with that. So I think that Roger Daltrey with with screaming and just being pure rock with the who that there is an era there was a gap between bands like the who and then as I mentioned the glam bands and then back Mm -hmm. to the to the rock and then the Seattle sound in the 90s but I do believe that in a very quiet way or maybe un, well, uncredited way mm-hmm. in a lot of ways Roger Daltrey set the template for a bunch of lead singers in the 90s and again a, a great arena rock sound from yeah. Roger Daltrey like you don't need Roger Daltrey in in at the Metro in Chicago you know what yeah, I mean yeah, exactly. like he, he yeah. needs his <laughs> he voice needs, yep. Right, he his voice fills it up for twenty thousand people. That oh. that does not need to be in a piano bar. So <laughs> I got Roger Daltrey at uh, thirteen. You know what? I mean, if you think about it, the band The Who themselves, it's incredibly hard to stand out with three other amazing musicians who have amazing big personalities themselves. I mean, you got yeah. Pete Townsend, you got Keith Moon, the crazy drummer. I mean, those personalities alone for Roger Daltrey to stick out speaks volumes. And I think Roger. 
Roger Daltrey is the ultimate cool, laid-back rock singer. You know, he kind of, he's he's frontman, but he also blended in with his band. And I think he his ultimate transformation, if you look at the early songs like Can't Explain, he's this mod rocker, you know, kind of nerdy, kind of geeky, into this arena rock god spinning the wired microphone around like a magic <laughs> wand, placing, as you said, the intense screams in the right parts of songs just to create that emotion as he did in Won't Get Fooled Again. I mean, again, it's incredibly hard to stand out with all those, but Roger Daltrey did it. And uh, you know what? He is an ultimate rock god and should be on this list. All right, we're going to look at number 12, and we're going to move into ACDC's lead singer. Now, this is a double because they had two phenomenal rock singers, and that is Bon Scott and Brian Johnson. When I think of Bon Scott, I think of Party Man, and I think of Mischievous. Nothing <laughs> ever evil, just mis- mischievous. And I think High of, voltage! Yeah, I think of rocking <laughs> tunes and him just wailing with a hint of his Scottish accent, if you can hear it. Uh, They released a number of albums before he passed away in 1980. But, uh, I mean, classics like Dirty Deeds, TNT, awesome rock and roll classics that you still hear to this day and never get tired of. And I think when they hired Johnson, I think they hired him initially because he sounded so much like Bond with his energy. And uh, as you can see, I mean, they did very well after Bond because initially ACDC was considering just retiring that whole band, but thank goodness they picked up Johnson, and then they went into like other great tunes. Shook me all night long. It shook me all night long. His voice uh, carried on the band without a hitch, so you gotta give it to both of those guys. Bon Scott for creating that delivery, and then Brian Johnson for just carrying it through when Bon, and passing the torch after Bon passed away. It's a great point, man. I, and I think about it, it's got to be the smoothest lead singer transition of all time yeah. because it, it is rare. Like, you could replace your drummer. You could replace your bass guitar. You can't, it's hard to replace the lead singer. And it, it, if anything, the band, it, it probably it did. It got more commercially successful. Mm-hmm. I, let the record show. I, <laughs> one of the first cassettes that I ever got, received was for Christmas. It it was the, the Von Scott version, ACDC, Dirty Deeds, and the Dunder Chief. Which was just gold. <laughs> Dirty deeds and the thunder keep. Uh, it was just yeah. gold to me. And Are you saying Von Scott or Bon? His name is uh, Bon. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bon, sorry. <laughs> I think I did say Von. <laughs> Here we go again. Here we go again. If it's, oh, not, so it's, if it's not sports, it's not correct. Right? Yeah, Bon, Bon Scott. Yeah, you're right. Do you have to it redo is. all that? Or no, no, no. We can keep, we can keep rolling. I'll, I'll accept my, I'll let, I'll let the world know my mistake. <laughs> I, I'll disagree a little bit with you though. I, I think that Von Scott, Bon Scott, and and I still can't get it out of me. And Brian Johnson have very different styles. Like I thought Scott was more of this sort of like uh, sorcerer sound, like evil, uh-huh. evil, evil sound to him. Well, Brian Johnson was just like fuck you, kick you. In the balls back in black, you know, let's have a good time, rock and roll dude. And and, and actually that's ACDC in general, but I know that we're we're focusing on the on the lead singers. But yeah, both both of these guys were great. It's hard. I, I I'll say I think I do like Bon Scott's sound a little bit better than that of Brian Johnson's, mm-hmm. but it's it's only by a hair. And it's it's just the those two are great. And I'm glad that we got more ACDC after the unfortunate, untimely passing of I'll just call him Mr. Scott for now. <laughs> 
God. <laughs> so what are we, what, what what number was that? That was 12. That All was 12. Right, so so we got. Go through, go through. Sure. Our, sure. 15, we had Dave Grohl. 14, Bon Jovi. 13, Roger Daltrey. You just picked uh, at number 12, ACDC's Von Scott and Brian Johnson. So I get number 11 and I am going to go with, yeah. I'm going to go with Jim Morrison. Uh-huh. Jim Morrison, lead singer of The Doors. And I, I'll say this about Jim Morrison, although I'm, I'm selecting him 11th for our collective list. I think he's the most, he might be the most rock star of rock stars uh-huh. on this entire list. Because, again, not necessarily the most melodious singer. I don't know that you would say he was a pure talent, but those tribal screams that he missed in, the <laughs> mystery behind Jim Morrison, the feeling that you never really knew him, uh-huh. you know, the, the break on through sort of attitude of his, the natural passion. And then again, influential with uh-huh. with guys you know in, in now and it's okay to, to scream and just make sounds <laughs> the way Jim Morrison did and I hate to say something like this yeah. it doesn't hurt that he died early in yeah. terms of his legacy <laughs> yeah. Yeah. like in terms of the way we all revere him and think about him and he never had a chance to be bad yeah. so uh, I got Jim Morrison at number 11. You know what I as you said I think he had all the traits of a classic rock and roll lead singer the not give a shit attitude. But if I really think about Jim Morrison, I think he really wanted to be a serious uh, a serious artist, like a poet, something of that yeah. nature, right. and wanted his his art and film and all that to be taken seriously. And then he just like ended up a rock singer. You know what I'm saying? So he just kind of yeah, like, he was a poet. I mean, yeah. he considered himself a poet. So he just kind of bumbled and yeah. stumbled and just kind of whatever came at him. That's what he did, and uh, it's almost like he had contempt for being a rock singer. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, the anti, the anti rock star, the anti rock star, and uh, you know, I, I dug that he crooned most of his songs. I mean, you know, like just a step away from like a Frank Sinatra. I mean, it's like, come on, touch me, babe. You know, it's like, <laughs> hey, you know, hey. And then it's of very course, Las Vegas, yeah, very Las Vegas. I never thought and then that. of course, you know, then of course, then he had some songs where he was doing, as you said, the spastic screaming. So, yeah. Uh, Jim Morrison, as you said, it didn't hurt that he did die young, but man, he lived a lot of years in his 27 years. I mean, he, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, those leather pants, uh, you know, I feel probably, like that's all we really needed out of him was 27 years, 27 you know? years, yeah. And uh, I used to like how he never changed his leather pants, like they were just <laughs> like I heard rumors like about that, like, yeah, he's just you know. Just, he probably know. had awful BO, yeah, right? Absolutely, like yeah. just not caring, unkept, unshowered, yeah. and it all worked somehow. I guess he got so. away with yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, as long as you don't died have to a be millionaire. Nice to yep, in a, in a tub with <laughs> in flowers a tub in it. Flower. Yeah. <laughs> all right, man. That's uh, Jim Morrison. I am uh, at number eleven. All right, uh, number ten. We are going to go to number 10, and I'm going to say Axl Rose. All right. Axl Rose, probably a classic narcissist, uh, you know, just from <laughs> everything that I've read about him, that have, you've seen about him. But you cannot deny his ability to wail and screech a rock song, and, uh, and you can't doubt his ability uh, one single bit. In fact— he doesn't even doubt his ability one single bit, bit as a classic narcissist. And um, 
If anything, Axel Rose, whenever I see him, it, he just screams extreme confidence when he's belting out those songs and his ability to carry a song, whether it's Welcome to the Jungle or something as smooth as Patience. He's just the classic lead singer, and I think we probably would have heard more of him, you know, if the alternative rock grunge of the early 90s didn't come and, like, stifle some of those classic rock band sounds. And it just kind of snuck up on him and— uh, it moved rock and roll into a different direction. So, but I think we would have probably heard a lot more from Axl Rose if, um, you know, Guns N' Roses would have started out a little bit earlier. Well, I, 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 you know, one of the notes that I put down about Axl Rose is important because Kurt Cobain does get, deservedly so, a ton of credit for changing the face of rock and roll and getting again getting us out of the glam rock 80s which was like once you know those first few notes of smells like teen spirit came out it was over for all those bands but but before kurt cobain in the late 80s there was axel rose and guns and roses and they brought back a pure guitar rock sound that wasn't grunge but it was pure and it was very different from what was going on. That classic high octave sound that and, and you could, you know, he, he he was a singer, man. Like he he was like I talk about like like Jim Morrison. We talk about like I, I don't know how great of a pure singer he was. Axl Rose was a singer, man. It, it's hard sometimes to 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 get through it. But he he was he looked like rock. And sometimes I say like they were a better, tighter more musical ACDC like that. That's what I looked at Guns N' Roses as. And yeah, he was, he was a great showman and a super talent. And you know, they they were able to, they weren't as big as the grunge bands, but they survived alongside those guys. They were not shoved off to the side. There was more and they're still very much wanted today. So I, yeah, I got a lot of time for Axl Rose and that's a good spot there at number nine, buddy. All right. So that is number nine. And I think you've got the next one, sir. Yeah, baby. Um, okay. Let's see what we're going here. Number eight. We're getting into it here now. I'm going to go with number eight. I'm going to go with the combination, the Beatles combo of John Lennon and Paul McCartney. Simply two of the, the greatest songwriters of all time. They were the masters of the simple melody and making it sound great. Simple, yet it didn't necessarily sound simple or you didn't care that it was simple because the melody was so perfect. So, And sometimes that's okay to where it just, it's so sugary sounding that it, it's it's beautiful to your ears, but there was a technical, or a technical aspect to it that made it better than like a because sometimes they're they're considered a boy band, like an old school boy band, but they they were a lot deeper than that. They were also, I'll say this too. I mean, I, I don't know that there's ever been a band like that where you. I mean, we can probably make a list of you know co lead singers and bands. I don't know how big it would be, but these guys would be at the top of it as well because they had perfect balance. It seemed like they they kind of split. It was almost felt 50-50 in terms of how many songs were for each. I don't know the breakdown. I would guess that McCartney probably led more of them. But it just was a perfect balance until it wasn't anymore. So uh, I'm going to put the Beatles at number eight and, and John Lennon and Paul McCartney. You know, I researching some of this stuff, I found out that, uh, you know, Lennon, 
um, the Twist and Shout song, which, uh, you know, was one of their big breakout hits uh, early in their career, that Lennon's voice was was basically just shredded from, you know, doing concerts yeah. and singing uh-huh. and stuff like that. And for the Twist and Shout recording, he gargled milk, took some lozenges, I can't even say that, lozenges, Dozenges. And then belt it out, twist and shout. I it's mean, actually lozenges. There's lar- a R in there. Lozenges. Yeah, yeah, say lozenges. Yeah. So I've always been kind of, uh, I've always been kind of pro Lennon for some reason. I don't okay. know. I mean, I, I mean, I don't mind McCartney. I think he's a great songwriter. But you know, just uh, even Lennon would say that some of uh, some of McCartney's stuff is kind of hokey. You know, like my, yeah, he's like. My, the- He's like the more pop-minded yeah, of the two. Yeah, yeah. like, you know, wh- what was Lennon taught? Lennon said something about Paul McCartney's uh, Obla D, Obla Da, The Life Goes On. So he's like, he called that gra- he called that granny shit. Um, he, and, and honestly, my most, uh, my most least favorite Beatles-like song that was basically pretty famous is Penny Lane. I can't stand <laughs> Penny Lane. I can't. Penny Lane. Da, 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 Oh, dude, just don't, please stop. Yeah. Please stop. Not, I mean, I, I mean, Helter Skelter, Paul McCartney, lead singing on that, uh, you know, great. But uh, yeah, just, uh, but even, I mean, Revolution, uh, Lennon sang that, awesome. So yeah, I mean, both powerful, you know, lead singers in their own right. I'm just leaning more towards Lennon. I don't know how you feel about that. I, I lean. I actually lean more towards McCartney. I guess I, I don't try to like. I, I think that a lot of. Uh, I, th- I bet more of the pure Beatles fans would agree with you. It's it's John Lennon because he was more. It just felt like there was a realness to him. Yeah. There was a love child to him. I mean the Yoko Ono thing. You know you could just see him laying in a in a, a bed of flowers, staring at the sky, smoking weed, and mm-hmm. you know Paul McCartney was more. Let's make a hit song. Let's make a number one. So yeah. I, I don't know. I like the showmanship better. Like like I like rock stars. That like being rock stars. I always mm-hmm. felt like John Lennon felt he was a little bit too above it. Kind of mm-hmm. like like you were saying earlier, the the anti rock star yep. with Jim Morrison. Mm-hmm. I like guys who have a joy about it, and Paul McCartney seemed to have more of that even mm-hmm. to this day. Like he enjoys being a rock star, and that comes out in in his whole overall performance. Yeah, I mean, I just can't believe that he's still answering Beatle questions. I mean, I would be like beside. I know, I know that's. I mean, that is him. But it's just like, yeah. could you could you imagine being asked? about, you know, something you did in Springfield over and over <laughs> and over again. You know hey, if it saying? made me a billionaire and a sir, I'd probably be okay with it. <laughs> All right. If I was a sir. A sir. sir. Uh, yeah. Mm, oh, yeah. Sir. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I, I'd overcome. I'd overcome. Is that a Beatles song? We shall overcome. No. Is that a Beatles song? No? Not, no. Who sang that? <laughs> we shall overcome. Are you sure? I thought yeah, that was a Beatles no, song. No. No? No. Okay. Bears. All right. Um... I I did that one, so good luck. Good luck with number seven, pal. What you got? <laughs> All right, uh, number it's seven, hard, isn't it? Yeah, it is starting to uh, to get a little difficult. I love this list, by the way. This is fun. All right, we'll go with. Uh, you said number seven, right? Yeah, number seven, my man. All right, um, I'm going to say number seven, Steve Perry, lead singer of Journey. Okay, cool. I love Steve Perry. I mean, there are a lot of people that maybe can't 
handle his voice, but I got to say his vocal range, the soul and power of Steve Perry is is unmatched. I mean, Journey really wasn't doing much until they found Steve Perry. I mean, they were a band before Steve Perry, and then he came on the scene. And then you got hits like Lights, Don't Stop Believing, Faithfully, Wheels. I mean, really, should I go on? I mean, every one of those is is a massive hit. They sold out arenas. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he is the quintessential talented, great singer. Great, phenomenal, powerful singer, as are some of the other guys on here. I mean, the rock star ability, eh. But, no, Steve Perry came out, grabbed his mic, slayed, and left. That's how Steve Perry did it. Yeah, man. I, I would say this. He, he. I'll just give you a little. I'll give you a little clue on my list. He's not my number one, but I will say this. He's the best pure singer on this list. I think he's the most talented singer, mm-hmm. and uh, he could hold a note, the the high note, the higher octave, whatever you call that. He 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 could do it. Um, it, it, like some of the some of the music was some of those ballads were a little cheesy, mm-hmm. but my God, did he did he belt them out? And my God, were they huge hits? And I do wonder, you know, you're talking about his his rock ability and his ability to be like an actual rock star. You're right, it wasn't there. I do wonder though what 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 he would have been like if he was in a more pure rock band because he mm-hmm. could have been he could have been any genre of music like he could have done that and I do wonder if if the credibility would be higher for him mm-hmm. if he had been in a band like that and I'll close it by saying this that and I think I told you this off the air that it was it was Freddie Mercury who was once asked hey Freddie Mercury you know what you're 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 the best you know, friggin' lead singer in the world, man. You got the best voice. And he goes, what do you think about that? And he said something to the effect of, I don't know, ask Steve Perry because <laughs> he thought Steve Perry mm-hmm. was the best. Absolutely. And, um, you know, I, and I would say like uh, a lot of people, you know, wouldn't necessarily think of Steve Perry like that just because of the, the cheese ball factor that mm-hmm. goes along with journey and, and all that, at least the perception, but, yeah. uh, Steve Perry numero siete mm-hmm. is a very good place for they him. They had some good rock tunes though. Um, you know, it, it, you know when Steve Perry first came on the scene, and then of course when the, once they went into the '80s and did a lot of those ballads, like a lot they of they figured rock, it out. Yeah, yeah, like a lot of rock bands did. I mean, oh, Ford, sure, man. Foreigner did that. All those. Yeah, well, think about rock. Chicago, man. Chicago goes from you know like this, you know, all these instrument trumpets and saxophones <laughs> yeah. to just Peter Cetera yeah. <laughs> sitting there making these songs where he's crying in the middle yeah, of them. Exactly. You know, like that. People, yeah. the money was in the ballads. Yeah. It really was. It so. was. Absolutely. All right, that was mine, Steve Perry. All right, you're next. Okay, okay. Let's see here. It's number seven, right? My car, my car. My car. All right, um, number six. I am going to go with the lead singer of U2, and his name is Bono. I would say that Bono is the most... (laughs) dramatic lead singer on this list there was the, the with the with the shade the omnipresent shades well he has glaucoma 
Oh, he does? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I didn't know that. Jesus Christ. Sorry. All right. So the omnipresent glaucoma <laughs> shades, um, a terrific, like, like you could tell, like, especially like on some of the tours that they did, I think it was the zoo TV tour where they were oh. just making fun of pop culture. Yeah. Like he, he, he get, he understands the drama of it all and it blatantly puts it out there and he doesn't mind doing it there's that militaristic tone to some of the early u2 stuff that got us all like and you talk about or i mean they might be the best of the arena rock bands like they might be the best ever just in terms of that this we're all in this together like that that's what bono was great at like this hey we're all here for a cause no who knows what the hell the cause was mm-hmm. but it it always felt like bono feels very purposeful even if it's disingenuous in some ways and also we talk about ballads and you know, like that's where the money maker is. He made ballads that you didn't feel stupid for blasting <laughs> and liking. Like still haven't found what I what yeah. I'm looking for. That's a ballad, man. That's a cheesy ballad well, that like, made you feel cool, you or, know? Or um what, what's the other one? Uh, there's, with or there's without a few. You. With or without yes, you? with or without you, even a better example. Yeah, and and like you didn't mind blasting that or admitting, yeah, I love this. Or I requesting it and, and playing it at you know putting it in the the jukebox um, <laughs> and listening to it and say, yeah, man, I still haven't found what it looked like. It felt like he made the ballad sound okay and and justified. Yeah, I, Bono. A um, couple of things stick out to me: spiritually intense. Sings with yeah. his entire body, <laughs> his Ooh, soul, you're, his being. You're getting deep, man. His you're whole bare. body. You can definitely see the maturity take place from when he first started with U2 when they were like doing uh, Walk Away, Walk Away, Walk Away, Walk Away. Uh, I love that shit. Uh, uh, I love that stuff, And then, stuff, of course, man. they gradually grew into the Joshua Tree and then went oh, yeah. into the Zuropa era and then, you know, moving on and on. You know, I heard that I've never been to a U2 concert, but I've heard Who's that being my wild horses. <laughs> Thank you. I've heard that being at a U2 concert is kind of like the same feeling you experience, uh, you know, when you go to an evangelical church. Oh, dude, I've been. I've feeling, been. Uh, a feeling it is. of leaving I've, it uplifted. Oh, yeah. You're leaving the show uplifted. And oh, yeah. It's just and drunk. Like, yeah, and drunk. And led by yeah. this powerful spiritual rock and roll leader. It is. It's an experience. I went, yeah. my, my, my boy Fez about 15 years ago mm-hmm. went, and it was, like, it was like that. It was like that. Yeah. I did, uh, I remember I was in local radio, and I was working with... Um, this guy and he worked at a record store and the record store sponsored like two or four hours of radio time. And, uh, whenever they would have like a big release of a rock and roll song, they, we would do like a record release party at the store. And then we would broadcast from the radio station and play like the, the, you know, the song that was, or the album that was going to be released. So mm-hmm. one, one of them, I think was, uh, I think it was Zuropa by U2. So we, at, oh, at midnight, they did like a sell, you know, of the, of the record and everybody was joining everybody at the record store. But at back at the station, we got to play all the new, um, you know, Zuropa tunes. And I'll never forget when I first, cause we played each song, uh, each cutoff there. And one that always stuck with me was that numb song. Remember numb? I feel numb. Oh, yeah. Numb. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel numb. 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 I feel num
It's like the edge just like sitting yeah. there like, you know, <laughs> chanting and then all of a sudden yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. Oh, the other one was Lemon. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. But, just uh, gorgeous. That's just my, gorgeous. Yeah. Bono is, yeah, he's Bono. You know, and don't forget, okay. I mean, as we talked about in the in the Christmas uh, show, uh, you know, when they did the, uh, well, the night, thank God is them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, power when needed. Yeah, power. The power right. of Bono. You want me to give you a quick yeah, rundown? Okay. Do. 15, Dave Grohl, 14, Bon Jovi, 13, Roger Daltrey, 12, Bon Scott slash Brian Johnson, 11, Jim Morrison, 10, Axl Rose, 9, Lennon McCartney, 8, Steve Perry, 7, Bono. Number six, if you ever need to have the hair on the back of your neck stand up, just play any song by Chris Cornell. Um, from Hunger Strike, the Black Hole Sun, Spoon Man, on and on, power and intensity. It's just enveloped with a beautiful tone. That is Chris Cornell. Um, I Anytime you hear Chris Cornell, you know it's Chris Cornell. Uh, he had such an outstanding voice, and I'm so sad that he is no longer with us because I will say, as he would have gotten older, he would have branched off and probably done a ton of different things with either different bands or acoustically or by himself, and he would have done such a good job and definitely would have had his fan base, and I think that it's just tragic that his life was uh, cut short by taking his own life. So um, Chris Cornell, a huge part of the Seattle movement, uh, along with Nirvana and Pearl Jam, bringing that style of music to the forefront, but it was more than that. I mean, it was just really good rock and roll. And, and Soundgarden had the intensity uh, that you were really looking for when you really just wanted to get down and dirty and into some rock and roll. That was Soundgarden and their lead singer, Chris Cornell. I'm sure you could add a lot more to this because you were a huge fan of these yeah. earlier bands. So go ahead, Mark, and start us off. Yeah, legit four-octave singer. I always like to refer to him as a wailer. I mean, he could wail those tones out or those notes out better than anybody. You know, he, he, he was highly successful solo, highly successful with Soundgarden. Then he started Audio Slave. He did some duets, as you mentioned, the, the one with Eddie Vedder, Hunger Strike and all of that. He, he made like, cause like early Soundgarden, man, like with, uh, Outshined and Rusty Cage and those. So that's, that's, that's heavy metal. I mean, and they made they made heavy metal metal musical and complicated and just unfucking believable. So, the, like the voice, like there's no better voice in rock than than Chris Cornell. And I I will I will never forget. Like in I think it was '91, I'm at Illinois State. I go to Braden Auditorium to to see Skid Row. Skid Row <laughs> is the the band that I'm going to see. I'm sitting in the second row. With my friend Lori Claster, we're like second row, and we're we're there for Sebastian and Skid. I wasn't really into Skid Row, but I was like, yeah, I'm down with it. Uh -huh. And the the opening band was fucking Soundgarden, and I didn't know anything about them. I, I, I'll never forget the announcer comes out. I said, before we bring out. 
you know, um, Skid Row. Here's four fuckers from Seattle, Sound Fucking Garden, and they come out and they just start wailing, and I'm like, oh my god, what is this? Mm-hmm. And I was entranced, uh, and they won me over that night. So love Chris Cornell, love all his projects, and uh, number six it is for Chris Cornell. All right. Let me put a list together is brought to you by. This episode is brought to you by Vistaprint. You know when you give someone a gift that's so thoughtful they couldn't possibly part with it? This season, celebrate your favorite people by giving them something only they could get. At Vistaprint, capture that epic girls weekend in a calendar for your besties. Or send everyone a gorgeous holiday card with your family making not-so-gorgeous faces. Make something just for them at vistaprint.com slash podcast and make it unregiftable. What if wearing underwear could feel better than going commando? Like if the waistband didn't roll or dig, and the fabric made you sweat less, and the whole thing moved with you, never against you. At Mack Weldon, we're reinventing men's basics, starting with your underwear. Introducing Airnet X, our lightest, most breathable technology, engineered with four-way stretch. If you don't love your first pair, it's free. So try one today at MacWeldon.com. And now, back to Let Me Put a List Together on the Podcast Entertainment Network. So we're moving on into the top five. Mark, you have number five, so what do you got? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Got to see what's left. I'm going to go with number five. I'm going to go with... The the great Freddie Mercury, lead singer of Queen, unbelievable range, one of the great showmen of all time. Freddie Mercury was unbelievable or one of the best at getting the crowd involved in his songs. A I I I probably would not have a problem saying that he's the most talented guy on this list in terms of all that he did musically. And I will tell you this too, there are many people, uh, we've got him at number five here on the collective list and we'll reveal our individual list in just a little bit, but many consider Freddie Mercury to be the greatest lead singer of all time. Uh And he was eclectic. He was weird. He was bizarre. You didn't know like his sexuality was up for grabs for a while. So he was everything like, wearing costumes and just out there as a lead singer in every single way that you wanted lead singer to be like Freddie Mercury encompass it all probably more than anybody when you like talk about all of the things that a rock star is like the way they dress the way they sound the way they interact with the crowd the joy of doing the job the the ego all of it that that's Freddie Mercury yeah I mean all you have to do is look at the uh, the amazing footage of Live Aid to see the power uh, of frontman Freddie Mercury, as you said, he—I mean—he had the people eating out of the palm of his hand, and I mean, <laughs> yeah. all of the songs were also very arena-based, similar to John Bon Jovi. I mean, "We Are the Champions," uh, "Radio Gaga," all those anthems. songs were anthems, yeah. exactly, and uh, and people loved that. It was uh, emotion. It was drama. I mean, he had, it was almost like a stage play. He was almost like an actor, an incredible talent, uh, (laughs) you know, just conveying every emotion that you can through singing. That was Freddie Mercury. And uh, yeah, I am 
100% behind what you were saying earlier. I think five is a little low for Freddie Mercury, but right. I will have to uh, take that in stride. Acquiesce, Brian. Mm-hmm. That's the word you're looking for. Thank Acquiesce. You. Thank you very little. Uh huh. All, All right, right, buddy. So that was number five, uh, Freddie Mercury, as we move into. Uh, number four. I am going to say that uh, number four is going to be Kurt Cobain. Number four would be Kurt Cobain. Um, this man not only had amazing power and a passionate rock voice that basically moved a generation in, into his whole scene. Uh, Kurt Cobain was just an amazing songwriter. Great lyrics sent to simple melodies with intense guitars and drums. He was the anti-rocker, the anti-pop hero, and uh, just an amazing leader of his band. I mean, you can't deny his ability to sing a song, whether it's something as intense as you know, smells like teen spirit, or it's just something as smooth as their unplugged that they did with MTV, which I would say is the greatest unplugged MTV ever. I mean, that whole album just by itself is an amazing piece of art right there. And the man behind that, Kurt Cobain, the lead singer, uh, you know, just tortured and really <laughs> just. Uh, the I would have to say, and I know it sounds cheesy, probably the voice of, of that generation, and oh, yeah. that's a lot to uh, to carry and and should be recognized. Yeah, and, and as you called, I think it was you referred to Jim Morrison as the the anti rock star. Same with Kurt Cobain. Now, make no mistake about it, this dude was a fucking rock star, but he did not necessarily want that. He had the ability to scream in tune. Like, that's what he did. He would scream, yet it sounded good. And you mentioned the the unplugged. The Like, go back. Like, if you're listening right now, go back and, and Google where did you sleep last night uh-huh. from that. Oh, my God. Like, that was the passion in that song, the believability of the angst that he clearly had. Like, it felt like everything he did was genuine. When he's saying he felt it, it wasn't just doing it because he had to do it because he got paid to do it. Like, he felt all that. And he is. Like, he's in the top five most important rock stars of all time because, again, he was a game changer. Like, once once that song came out, like, when... When Smells Like Teen Spirit came out and, you know, those those beginning riffs by Dave Grohl on the drums and they come in and they just fucking kill everybody, everybody took note. Everybody knew where they were and everybody was just like, oh, my God, what is like there was never a yeah. sound like that. No, and, and not only that, but, but when you have like, you know, kids like me that were. You know, they listen to some pop music, and but I was, as I said, and most people know that listen to our podcast, I was really into hip-hop at that time and into yeah. Public Enemy and stuff like that. But when you make a kid like that go and <laughs> buy the cassette single because yeah. you love the, the drums and the intensity and the angst and the, the anger uh, of that song, yeah, you really got some magic going on there. And, I mean, I would, most- say, I would say that that did, like, lead me into that that genre. So, I was gonna say, didn't didn't most like of hip hop like and stuff that you listen to? Didn't a lot of people dig that Nirvana and like? Didn't yeah, they, yeah, the alter- yeah, absolutely, absolutely, because it was the. I mean, I I couldn't stand and and you know still to this day, I, I couldn't stand that that late eighties 
hairband <laughs> stuff. Right, I right. Mean, it right. was like, you know, they had the one rock song, and then the second song was always a ballad. Uh, and it was <laughs> just Cinderella. Like, oh, God. I just couldn't, I couldn't, I, know. I just couldn't get with it. I was, there was I just know. nothing cool about it to me, you know. And then you had some guys that came out there, and, you know, they're in their flannels. They don't give a crap. Their hair is <laughs> dirty. It's right. nasty. And it's they just, smell. they smell, and it's just, it's angst and it's that. That is, that's what I feel. I don't feel. I know, this, man. This party. It's our generation, <laughs> bub. You know, like, oh god, <laughs> please stop. Couldn't deal. I, it's, it just, it had, yeah. The it, it had no, it had had no soul to it. Had no realness to it. I mean, it was it was pop music. That's basically what it was. Yep. That's my Amen, opinion. Bro. That's my okay. opinion. I know I a lot of people tie in a lot of good memories to those songs, I so know. I get it, and that's probably why they like it. But that was just. I actually not like it. I actually like it better now than yeah, I, did I do. That. I will say that as well. Like looking yeah. back at you know some of those songs, it's it's funny to me. Yeah, it's know? it's fun. It is fun music. Yeah. If you, it just then it wasn't funny because fun. that's yeah. that's what we had. That's what, yeah, that was your you know that was your your badge of honor. What you right. listened to. You know? It's like no 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 no. I don't want this. Yeah, I don't want like, that. It's like so you and that's and that was that's what was fun about music uh, back then is that you know you you had. Your your pop stuff, but you know you could go to a record store and dig and find, you know, the alternative to the alternative, and and you know find different sounds and what people were doing, the stuff that was bubbling under, and even back then, I mean, you know, there were there were you know groups that were you know in the '90s that were bubbling under, you know, like you had the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and and you you did you had like Mud Honey and all of those those bands that were you know slowly but surely coming up. And uh, it was just fun to listen to that different style of music. Okay, that is number four by my calculation. Mm-hmm. So I am going to get us into our top three. Right. And with number three, this is going to surprise you, but I am going to go with Eddie Vedder okay. at number three. Eddie Vedder is my choice. And, um, yeah, look, Eddie Vedder, is the, it, it, that's, he's the lead singer of my favorite band of all time, Pearl Jam. And, man... That big badass baritone and the like I mentioned Jim Morrison in conjunction with that tr- the tribal tones and the the natural screaming wailing and the the versatility of his voice and you could just feel it like some of the the especially some of the the early lyrics and singing about his dad and his childhood and like even though I couldn't relate to exactly what he was singing I felt it though you know what I mean I felt it all of a sudden I felt like my father abandoned me I'm like oh my god (laughs) is that what happened I'm feeling this angst right now no you're you're yeah yeah, your, your father I'm, is I'm, one of the sweetest men ever. I'm well covered. I'm yeah. very well covered when it comes to family yeah, and parents. But uh, but I kind of like, oh yeah, man, I feel that angst, buddy. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, it's been a rough childhood for me too, growing up in the western <laughs> suburbs. I feel you, man. Yep, my parents covered my college. That's right. But oh, I feel your angst, buddy. You know, I didn't know how to read or write yeah. or anything like that. Um, yeah. So and he did like he like that it like he did he did open me up in terms of like feeling something like feeling a passion and uh, you know that that's what Eddie Vedder did and and that you know quintessential sound so you know I could go on forever yeah. but I won't I will leave Eddie Vedder at number three right there yeah you know um, you know that you're seriously iconic when 
you're one of the most imitated rock styles in the last 30 years. <laughs> a copied, uh, yeah, too. Yeah, copied. You know, uh, that is the backstory of Eddie Vedder. Uh, you know, he is probably one of the most uh, imitated rock sounds. Um, and his story is so bizarre. I mean, just talk about right place at the right time. I mean, he's working at a gas station. Then uh -huh. he gets a tape from his buddy. He sends in three songs to this band from Seattle. Uh-huh. And, and now he's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I mean, if yep. and, and not only that, but if you've ever seen Pearl Jam Live, I mean, I saw them in the later years. I'm sure you've seen them in the early years and throughout their uh throughout their career, but if you see early footage, I mean, he's like climbing around like Spider-Man <laughs> on the light scaffolding, yeah. and he's jumping oh, yeah. into the audience, and you know, it was the early 90s, it was rock and roll, and everybody was sitting in their bedroom singing the song Alive, so I mean, that's an, he's another <laughs> one that, you know, that you know, got this kid that was into a certain style of music and got him back into rock and roll and and things of that. Pearl Jam, another huge band that that had an influence on on me and um, you know in moving into that genre. So uh, just credible, uh, real. Just it was Pearl Jam. It is yeah. Pearl Jam. So amen. Yeah, it is. Yep, yep. And you and I got to share a show together, which was awesome. Yeah, which was fun. Which was great. Yeah. And I, I will say that you know even at at this age they still did a phenomenal job yeah, and they, they still sure rock. Did. Like, yeah. like no other. So, As my friend, uh, another friend of mine, Kim, who I went to a Pearl Jam concert with said, and it was the first one that, that she had ever gone to, she she put it well. She goes, she's like, this guy never misses a note. He never <laughs> yeah. misses a fucking note, and that's hard to do. So, yeah. All right, so that's number Eddie Vedder at number three. You have the pressure to choose number two, my guy. All right, uh, so number two. Wow, I have to... Uh now, this is one of the ones that I have to go through. Who the f oh, okay. I got who we're, who we're looking at. All right. Um, uh, uh, who do I have? Oh, number two, I will say Mick Jagger. Mick Jagger has a lot of history behind him. And, uh, you know, he is listed, of course, as one of the most iconic songwriting duos of him and Keith Richards. And he's got a cool voice, and it's a very distinct Mick Jagger. I mean, he is the Rolling Stones. He is the voice of the Rolling Stones. No one else in that band sang except Mick Jagger. thing about Mick Jagger, though, is, you know, as much as he's iconic as part of the Rolling Stones, I think he's just goofy. <laughs> I mean, seriously. I mean, every Wait, time I see... I, 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 before you go on, I have to tell you, well, let me just give you one of my little bullet points. Uh -huh. Weird looking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just goofy. Uh, yeah, he, he is he goofy. He learned to dance from <laughs> Tina Turner. Oh, really? Um, yeah, and uh, he just looks goofy when he's singing and dancing. I mean, if you look yeah. at Start Me Up, look at the faces that they're making into the camera. You know, it's like— He's a drunk guy on the wedding floor exactly, who just yeah. does everything. Just, yeah. just everything—exactly. And uh, I, do, I, dig, dig, I do dig his falsetto, you know, in like Emotional Rescue, and, and I do— dig a number of the Rolling Stone songs and that's just what it is but I just think there was this um, there was a show called The Tammy Show and it was where they put a whole bunch of uh, rock stars uh, on stage in the early 60s and I remember um, James Brown was actually on that show and he tore the stage up with his dancing uh -huh. and all this and the next band to go on The Rolling Stones yeah yeah 
and the Rolling Stones were like, what do we do? So right. all of a sudden, like, Mick just starts jumping around, like, you know, all <laughs> crazy because he didn't want to just stand there and sing. So he's doing all these weird, you know, jumps and stands and stuff because he didn't know what else to do. I don't think he was, you know, he was you know, doing his Tina Turner moves yet. But, uh, yeah, Mick Jagger, I mean, I go for longevity. I mean, he is, he's been around forever. You know, he's just the, your classic rock and roll lead singer. That's where I'll end it with that. He he was in complete control of the stage, like, or is still, Mm -hmm. um, like no other rock rock singer. Like he, he probably has more steps on that stage. Like if he tracks steps, there's got to be 25,000 steps per show. There's no doubt about it. You know, and uh, you know, a lot of the same things you said, the the moves, uh, uh, the the weird goofy, the the goofiness (laughs) that goes along with him. The the, the greatest collection of rock songs though, ever probably Uh from Mick Jagger and that entire band. Um, So yeah, there's not much more I can say, but I will say this too. This so funny. You brought up the, the James Brown thing. I literally just finished watching a, a James Brown biography last night, and that was one of the the parts that they made a big deal out of. And and uh, I just it was like James Brown was kind of poo pooing the Rolling Stones. He was just kind of like Rolling Stones, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and and uh, yeah, that's another guy, man. That's another whole yeah. genre. But but James Brown, my God, that you talk about influence. Yeah. He influenced everything that yep. you see to this day. Mm-hmm. So. Unbelievable. All right. Well, I, I am very honored to get to present our collective list, and then we'll do our, our individual list here in just a second, which I'm really looking forward to. But what is left on the list here that we did not choose yet would be Mr. Robert Plant, the the lead singer of Led Zeppelin. Un, again, undeniable. He had, the, I think, the most seductive style mm-hmm. of anybody in, in the way he dressed and acted and interacted with the crowd up there, he he can leave you breathless up there. He can go from from like a, a like you think about um, Stairway to Heaven. You think about Stairway to Heaven, which I know is like the most overplayed song in rock history. But going from like that that sort of lullaby style in the beginning, and then just fucking rocking out at the at the end of the song, like that, and that's what makes it so great. He was able to kind of do two songs in one, often, you know. Big time sex symbol, all of that, all the rock star qualities, the ability to to scream in in uh, in tone and in melody and uh, in the word I'm looking for in tune, like some of the other guys on this list. So the Robert Plant, you know, one one of the greats of all time for sure. Yeah, several things stick out to me about Robert Plant, and that would be the first charisma. There was always a hint of danger with Robert Plant. Of course, he had crazy sex appeal, wide vocal range, can rock hard, can rock soft. And I think it would be safe to say that out of all the lead singers, Robert Plant had the ability to put a spell on you through the speakers. (laughs) Seriously. I I think his his uh, just the storytelling and the way that he's, you know, sang the songs. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Spellbinding. Um, another funny backstory about uh, how Robert Plant came to be the lead singer of Led Zeppelin. Jimmy Page was uh, starting a band called the New Yardbirds, and the first guy that he wanted, did not, he didn't want to be a part of it. And then he saw this guy, Robert Plant, and he saw him perform, 
And every time he kept an eye on Robert Plant because he thought something was wrong with him because he couldn't believe that Robert Plant wasn't farther along in his career because he was just amazing. You know, he, he couldn't believe that he, was, he wasn't picked up by a, a rock band and it was already a, a superstar. So he yeah. actually thought there was like something wrong with him. So we would just kind of keep an eye on, on Robert wow. Plant. And then finally he was like, all right, I got to bring this guy on board and found out there was nothing wrong with him. It's just no one ever picked him up. Can you imagine that? It was uh, like, so uh, the greatest, you know, one of the greatest rock singers of all time almost didn't get picked up by Jimmy Page. And um, they also took time to, you know, build their relationship and found out that they were very much into the same music, very on the same page. And, and that is how you got one of the greatest rock bands of all time, Led Zeppelin. So, yes, Robert Plant, I mean, um, you know, even went beyond... Uh, Led Zeppelin did some of his solo stuff, which I totally dig as well. So, yeah, I would say that this, if if I can't have Freddie Mercury, this is probably the, the next best uh, person to be number one on this list. Get in touch with the show through email at lists at podcastentertainment.com. Why would an oil and gas company tie executives' pay to lowering the carbon emissions intensity of their operations? Because we believe in actions, not just words. Learn more at chevron.com slash lower carbon. To show you how easy it is to file a claim with Geico, we hired a Shakespearean actor. Oh, woe is me. Wherefore are thy claims help when I had a defender bender? Pardon the interruption, but when you file a claim with Geico, your claims team will be in touch right away. But willest they forget about me later when thou needest updates? Um, no. They'll always be there to, um, helpeth you out. Well, I suppose that I should bemoan something else, like my lactose intolerance. Oh, why must Derry disagree with me so savagely? Geico, great service without all the drama. And now, back to Let Me Put a List Together on the Podcast Entertainment Network. Well, it sounds like somebody just gave away their number one yes, on their individual yes, list. You want to give the rest? You want to give the rest right. of yours now so, that we know Freddie Mercury is your number one? <laughs> Thanks for ruining that. Uh, yeah. So my first is number 15, John Bon Jovi. Number 14, Bon Scott, Brian Johnson. Number 13, Lennon and McCartney. Number 12, Axl Rose. Number 11, Dave Grohl. Uh, number 10, Steve Perry. Number 9, Jim Morrison. Number 8, Roger Daltrey. Number 7, Kurt Cobain. Number 6, Chris Cornell. Number 5, Eddie Vedder. Number 4, Bono. Number 3, Mick Jagger. Number 2, Robert Plant. And number 1, the incomparable Freddie, Freddie Mercury. Nice. Great list. I, at number 15, had Dave Grohl, 14, John Bon Jovi, 13, Roger Daltrey, Jim Morrison had number 12, uh, the combo of Lennon and McCartney at 11, Bono at number 10, number nine, Steve Perry, eight, the combo of Bon Scott and Brian Johnson, seven, Freddie Mercury, six, Axl Rose, five, Eddie Vedder, turning the page, four, Mick Jagger, three, Robert Plant, two, Kurt Cobain, and number one, I had Chris Cornell. I also have, Brian, a few honorable mentions, if you don't mind. No, go ahead. Um, I'm going to fire out some of these. Uh, James Hetfield of Metallica, mm -hmm. I, would, I would put there. Um, Lane Staley, Allison Chains, The uh -huh. Great Late, Mater James Keenan of Tool, Jonathan Davis of Korn, Steven Tyler, Aerosmith, Absolutely. and uh, yeah, and then there's one, I, I don't know, like... I, 
I think this rock, but it, it you know, it can, I don't know what the, it's almost confused with the Rage Against the Machine genre on mm-hmm. Cypress Hill, but Zach De La Roca, I mean, he, he definitely would, is at least honorable mention and maybe he should be on the list. I don't know. Yeah. It's tough. This is a tough list, folks. Tough yeah. list. It is, we we it probably is. could have 30. We talked off there. We're like, we got to keep this, you know, yeah. 15. You know what I mean? I mean, so it's, it's, tough. it's almost, yeah. And I mean, some of these could be in or out. You know what I'm saying? I mean, and yeah. you could throw, there. a lot is are interchangeable. So um, we did have a lot of people on Facebook uh, chiming in to this. So um, I'm going to add some of these people. Um, yeah, some other people that we have. And you know what? And, and again, we had a lot of people that were lead singers in bands, but then they had other lead singers. A perfect example of this, Kathy Collins brings up uh, Stevie Nicks, which, yes, absolutely, Stevie Nicks is a lead singer. But you also had Lindsey Buckingham in there, and some people put Lindsey Buckingham as the lead singer of Fleetwood Mac. And then, yeah. you know, Christy McVie was also a huge part of Fleetwood Mac. So they had three powerful lead singers, so it wasn't one. But, uh, yeah, we had uh, Victor Perez said uh, Mick Jagger, Robert Plant, Stephen Tyler. Tyler, um, Brian uh, Morse, he said uh, Steve Walsh from Kansas. Um, Steve also, Walsh was yeah, in Kansas? Yeah. Also, uh, Steve Winwood from the Spencer Davis Group and Traffic. Uh, Justin Bickford, Roger Waters from uh, Pearl, I'm sorry, <laughs> Roger Waters from Pink Floyd, along with David Gilmore, it's Robert good. Plant, Freddie Mercury, Steven Tyler. Um, let's see. Ronnie Dio got a lot. Uh, Rob Halford from, um, who was, uh, Judas was Priest. Like Judas Thank Priest. You. Yeah. Uh, Eddie Vedder is on this list. Roger Daltrey, Freddie Mercury, uh, Brian Bradshaw, Chris Cornell, and Lou Graham from Foreigner. All great. All phenomenal. And if the list could be 100, all these guys would be on it. Uh, Dave Mitchell, my brother, Tommy Shaw, Steve Perry, Lou Graham, Ronnie James Dio. And that was uh, just some of the people that were on our list, which we're, you know, we're pretty, pretty in tune with that, with just a few that are are sticking out, but a lot of Robert Plant in there and a lot of Freddie Mercury. So yeah, I, I can see a case for uh, Steven Tyler to absolutely, been on our list. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, it was interesting. Steven Tyler, they had like the, uh, you know, Aerosmith had the early career. And then, of course, they had all their drug problems and issues and then came back out with uh, Run DMC when they did that remake of Walk This Way. And that just launched them into their whole second career, which they had some great tunes there as well in the late 80s, uh, early 90s. That That was a group that was still relevant. Throughout the whole grunge era, yeah, you're right. Like Janie's got a gun, and yeah, all that stuff, all that stuff yep. was still uh, pretty prominent. No, you're right. You're right. They they stuff. remade themselves. Good point. Good yeah. Point. Well, you know, you get rid of the drugs, and and there you go. I guess. <laughs> and with that comes some bad songs too, like Pink. <laughs> Pink. Yeah, they they did some bad ones. I got to admit that for sure. Seemed like there was a decent amount of, and you re- and you mentioned a bunch of them too. But I felt like Freddie Mercury was a name that I saw more, just about more than anybody. Yeah. Yeah. Um, on social media, so yeah, I, I was surprised and, that some of the people that we had on this uh, list were not mentioned a little bit more. Like I saw no Jim Morrison hmm. listed. Um, I didn't see Chris Cornell either or Kurt Cobain. So you know, it's know so if- funny. Like music is so personal. It's like religion almost. Like yeah. you get in fights with a, like it can get ugly. Yeah. You know, like politics. Like you know, you should. It's, it's it can be tough. Yeah. To talk like you and I like ripping on the eighties. Probably somebody listening right now that wants to punch <laughs> us in the face because we don't like Motley Crue. Yeah. You know what no, I mean? I like, like Motley Crue. I like. I don't. I don't consider. I and you've okay. had lists before. I don't consider Motley Crue as a hair band. 
Yeah, you know what? I you're mean, right. They kind of were. They kind of were, but the but the music didn't necessarily say no, that. They, they carried themselves band. differently. They were a rock band. I would put them. Okay. I would put them. I'll give you that. Like an act with. Uh, I would put a Motley Crue with like a Guns N' Roses. I okay, mean, I don't know I, if I I'd go say, there, but I get you. Yeah, I, get you I mean, though. I just I just think Guns N' Roses were a little bit more dangerous, you know, and and I think yeah. Motley Crue was a little bit more wild. That's how yeah, I see yeah. those two. Yeah, right. I shouldn't put like Motley Crue with Poison. And, no, and I wouldn't. I, I always do that though. I, no. I always make that mistake. But yeah, right. I would never put Def Leppard with with a Poison or with a yeah, yeah. or with a Warrant or with a yeah, I like, mean, yeah. Shout was, at the Devil and stuff. That was good, good music. Yeah, I mean that, you know. <laughs> I'm sure that's not Shout. one of Gene, it's probably Shout. not one of Gene's favorites. But, uh, <laughs> Shout at the devil. Yeah. No, that right. would not have uh, made it into Gene Grody's house, no, trust me. No, probably not. Absolutely. Probably wouldn't have made it into Anne's house either. You know. My mom had to when I got a cassette of Huey Lewis in no, the news, no, remember the song I want no, a new drug? Oh no, no. Remember I want a new yeah. drug? Like she had, she had to cross check that she would not let. But then she listened. Oh, okay, this is actually yeah. saying like the drugs are bad because it was yeah. like that song is about drugs suck, mm-hmm. and I want a new drug, one that won't make me spit, throw up, and poop. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's a clean <laughs> song. To, I'm trying to visualize this as Mark has the cassette in the boombox, uh-huh. sitting on yep. his bed, jeans leaning over, hands on hips, going, "All right, Mister, play that." No, 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 no. Yeah. The scenario is almost right, but uh, it was more like this. I got it for Christmas, oh. and I got it from one of my relatives, like a, like an, I think it was an older cousin who got yeah. it for me. And I unwrapped the little cassette, and you know, my mom cross checks it and sees that there's a song called. I think it was it called. Yeah, well, I no, it was sports. Sports. Sport, sports was the yeah. name of the cassette. So, but yeah, I want a new drug, and and my mom just she's like, I just need, <laughs> I just need to listen to this. Yeah, and she's like, okay, funny. well, it's okay. So oh, that's gosh. good. That's good parenting right there, uh, ladies and gentlemen. That is good parenting, but I never had that. <laughs> I never had that. My and fa- you turned out just fine. Yeah, my favorite was, um, uh, you know, listening to you know, two live crew in the basement, you know, with, Oh my God. And allowed that. No, she didn't even know that was You're happening. Sick. She didn't oh even know that God. was happening. Um, oh, NWA, hilarious. you know, downstairs oh in the, uh, yeah, you got to take that to like a hotel and listen to it. Yeah. <laughs> it was in the basement and the head, in the hotel, you know, why is Brian at the Holiday Inn Express? He's listening to music. <laughs> He's listening to NWA, but it turned out fine. You know, no problem. Yeah, it was like uh, too cute. That was too great. Cute. Yeah, in the basement oh. with the headphones on. You know, like kind of like how comedians used to listen to comedy records. You know, back in the day, like Eddie Murphy listening to, you know, Richard Pryor on headphones. You know, so your parents won't hear the, the curse words and stuff. Yeah, like that. but, that's a good analogy right there. Good parallel, buddy. But uh, yeah, you know, I was going to church every Sunday. I knew the difference. I know. Right. 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 You you went to confession. <laughs> Sorry about that. All that. All those no, nasty I mean, things yeah, I said I about women. I wasn't saying them. I was, you know, listening to. You were listening uh, to disrespectful music, yeah, though, right? So, All right. Yeah. Thanks, Mark. Uh, now I feel. You feel a lot good about better. yourself. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, you know what you need to do is tell Anne what you were doing all those years. I'm sure. Yeah. Or I will. Or I yeah, will. If you don't, do. I will. Please do. So, uh, Mom, we got to talk. Yeah. So <laughs> the, that's uh, all right. Enough of that. That's going to wrap up our our lead singer. Uh, top uh, 15 list. Goodbye. That's it. If you have any uh, (laughs) questions or comments, leave them on Facebook. Uh If you go, uh, if you want to listen to us, we're on Apple, all the other podcasts. Also, (laughs) check us out on YouTube. Just put in, let me put a list together. Subscribe everywhere. Leave a, Uh we have had some really kind comments on our podcast. We need more comments, though. Uh, Comments. Comments.
Yeah. Uh, we we want to know whether it's on the, the podcast or on social media. Let us know what you're thinking. We love your feedback, even if it's constructive criticism. Yeah, absolutely. That's For right. Mark Grody, I'm Brian Mitchell. That is going to wrap up. Let me put a list together, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Get in touch with the show through email at lists at podcastentertainment.com. Follow Let Me Put a List Together on Twitter at PodEntertain. Enjoying this podcast? Be sure to check out all the other PEN podcasts by visiting www.podcastentertainment.com. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Let Me Put a List Together.